Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. My name is Chris Vanini. I'm joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts, and it's time to talk about not Michigan State football, uh, washing your hands, and Chance the Rapper. Um, This is a football podcast, but we will talk about some basketball in this episode. Uh, But if you want a deeper basketball talk, check out The Beat with Brendan Quinn and Nick Baumgartner. Uh, they cover Michigan, Michigan State basketball. But we're, we're here for mostly football, but some other stuff. Colton, it has been a few weeks since we last got together. Uh, how's it going? Anything big happened in the last couple of weeks? Uh, Nothing I can think of. Uh, no, it's been a hell of a week this year, right? Um, it's kind of strange trying to contextualize everything that's happened, but uh, you know, looking at it now, it's Kind of like this is a week that we'll probably talk about for a long time. Like Rudy Gobert might show up in textbooks and like <laughs> yeah. documentaries down the road. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot. Yeah, I, I, the the Big Ten today announced uh, today Friday that we're recording announced that all organized team activities have been suspended until at least April sixth. That includes Michigan State's football spring practice, which hasn't happened uh, yet. The pro day was canceled uh, because everybody's obviously fearful of uh, the coronavirus and COVID-19, however you want to uh, refer to it. Um, and the sports world is now on hold. Uh, we were planning to get together here to talk about and preview spring practice. Instead, we're going to talk about it uh, not happening. Um, and let's just really start there. I mean, from a football side, uh, Colton, you just filed a story or just wrote a story Uh, about this. MSU has a new staff, and obviously the most important thing here is the health of everybody. MSU's canceled classes, moved things online, getting everybody off campus because you don't want large gatherings. But um, from the football side now, what's next with MSU football here? They've got a new staff that hasn't seen guys on the field in practices yet. Um, I don't know. From a football perspective, uh, where do things go for MSU right now? Yeah, I, I think the two big areas that this affects is one, recruiting, and two, kind of the evaluation period. Um, you know, obviously, when you have a new staff coming in, you want as much time as possible to kind of get to know the players, get to know the roster, um, the personnel at your, uh, at your hands. And, you know, now some of that's taken away from, from Mel Tucker and his staff. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I looked at is, uh, you know, with Tucker coming in, one of the things he talked about was, you know, getting to know these players and their abilities and how they fit into a system. And now that he doesn't have that spring practice time, it kind of sets him back. And one thing he talked about was getting to know them right now so he can look in, you know, when June comes around and July comes around, he kind of already has an idea of what their skill set is. And uh, with these April and and March practices being taken away for the time being, um, you know, that's kind of taken out of his hands. We know what the deal is. Obviously, it's, you know, they kind of had to cancel these things, but it certainly doesn't help a first-year coach and a staff that's trying to get acclimated to a new area. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, they, they could still have spring practice. I, I talked to Sean Lewis, the Kent State head coach, 
yesterday on Thursday. He had canceled practice on Wednesday before anybody else did. And he said he was talking with compliance and at the time was expecting that when everybody comes back to campus, they will, whether it's a waiver or what have you, will be able to continue to have spring football practice. But that would overlap with recruiting and when coaches go out to, to, to see recruits. So I'm, we're not totally sure what's going to happen with the calendar here. Everything's up in the air. Will they still practice? There's an NCAA blanket on recruiting right now. There's no recruiting for the next month. Um, so everything's just kind of up in the air. We don't really know where that's going to go uh, for a football perspective. But, um, yeah, it's uh, not the way you want your first spring camp to go, but there's obviously more important things uh, going on. And I wanted, I wanted to address that real quick before we get into some other stuff like basketball. Um Kind of why this is all happening. I mean, for for some people, if you haven't been paying, paying attention, this just all happened suddenly. Basically, Wednesday night is when things started with Rudy Gobert and the NBA shutting down and then everything else shut down. And the reason this is happening is, so in three weeks, Italy went from three cases to 15,000 cases. And more than 1,000 people have already died uh, from this illness. And the goal of all these sports shutting down and everything shutting down Disney world and all that is to prevent the spread because it's clearly spreading within the country. You know, there's, there's travel bans and stuff that that are meant to prevent more coming in, but it's currently going around and that has to be, it's, it's called flattening the curve, which means uh, you, you slow the growth of cases over time. So hospitals don't get overrun. That's what's happened in Italy is that there's too many people and the hospitals don't have, space and whatnot. And so you want to you want to slow the spread, slow this out, so just to minimize casualties. And basically, the, I mean, some of the good news is that in China and South Korea, things have slowed down there uh, thanks to intense testing. Uh, not sure. We'll see if the U.S. can head this off for now, but these proactive measures of shutting down all these sports, social distancing, washing your hands a lot, that's what this is meant to prevent. Uh, th- this illness obviously disproportionately affects the elderly, but when you see somebody like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, like NBA players contracting it, Tom Hanks, that that really uh, brings it to the to the forefront. And you know, I, I know a lot of people have said this is like the flu and whatnot, and it's it, it's not. It's more lethal. It's more contagious. It takes longer to show symptoms. Make makes it easier to spread. The director, uh, the, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious, Infectious Diseases, say that this might be ten times more lethal than the seasonal flu, and we don't have a vaccine and it won't for like a year. So this is a big deal, and this is why these measures are being taken. As much as it sucks to not have sports, um, it's it, you know we really haven't seen anything like this in any of our lifetimes, and uh, uh, you want to overreact, like you know if, if in four weeks from now things look okay again. If we get into April and things are okay, you'll probably hear some people say we, we overreacted, but that's okay. Like we need to overreact now. That's what Sean Lewis, a Kent State coach told me is that, um, you know, this is not a disease that's going to end humanity or anything by any means, but we got, we, we need to make sure hospitals don't get overrun with sick people and we'll see where things go. And that in, in the college sports world, that was the big news really was a cancellation of the NCAA tournament. Came down on Thursday 
after individual conferences started canceling their tournaments, you kind of got a sense this was going on, uh, going to happen now. And you feel terrible for the players, the coaches, the staff, arena workers. Um, but really everything changed with Rudy Gobert on Wednesday night when the Utah Jazz player tested positive. That's when everybody realized the sports world had to shut down. And uh, Colton, I mean, what was your reaction when that news came down and the way everything played out the last couple of days? Yeah, I think one of the first things that I did was text our group chat Wednesday night and said something like, you know, they're going to cancel the tournament, aren't they? And I don't know, it, it just always felt like that. You know, once the NBA stuff hit and, and Rudy Gobert and you've Donovan Mitchell the next day, it, it just kind of felt like it was heading there. Um, you know, there are more statements that came out. You know, players were still showing up to their conference tournaments as of like Thursday morning, which was kind of wild. But uh, one by one, they kind of came out and said, OK, we're canceling this. We're shutting it down. This is best for the player safety, best for players health. So it kind of felt like there really was no escaping it. And then, obviously, we got the NCAA tournament announcement later. Um, so, you know, when you have a, a global pandemic like this, this is the, definitely the right thing to do. Um, but you do feel for the student-athletes. And, you know, they don't deserve to go through this and, and have this portion of their journey cut short or taken away. Yeah, and, and right before we started recording, um, the NCAA announced it's probably going to give another year of eligibility to spring sports athletes. Um, uh, because they're baseball, softball, stuff like that, that are missing basically most of their season, which I think is a good good move. Uh, that's yet to be determined about winter sports. Um, that includes basketball. This does not include basketball. So as of right now, this was the end of Cassius Winston's MSU basketball career. Um, and let's talk about him for a second. He, one of the best players, one of the best people in program history, and the last time we see him in an MSU uniform turns out to be a dagger three-pointer against Ohio State to clinch a third straight Big Ten championship in, in kissing midcourt. Um, we judge MSU basketball by what it does in March, and so it's kind of a weird, empty feeling because how, how are we going to look back at this MSU team? They, it's a Big Ten championship team that went through a lot to get there, started the year preseason number one, ends top 10, but there was a point where they were unranked, a real up and down year. And uh, I don't know, what, what what's your reaction to MSU basketball just ending like that and, and how you feel about the team? Yeah, you know, I think I covered more basketball last year than I did this year just because there was a coaching search and that kind of took away a lot of my time. But, you know, I still went to some of those press conferences and some of the uh, basketball availability after practice and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of an up and down year. You know, you started with some excitement being the first, you know, AP number one overall, and then you lose uh, Joey Hauser, who's probably supposed to be eligible this year, and Josh Langford gets a setback with his injury and doesn't play the rest of the year. And you know, I think from there you didn't really know what you were going to get from this MC basketball team, and they did have their share of ups and downs. But as the year progressed and they got into Big Ten play, you know, I think players and coaches felt like they were going to get it turned around. Um, you know. Obviously, Izzo is known for what he does in March, and I think that this was a classic Izzo team that felt like they could get things done, and you saw the way they finished, and they went on that four-game winning streak, knocking off ranked teams, and got a share of that Big Ten title, and I think at that point, they felt extremely confident where they were as a team. They are probably going to get you know maybe a three-seed, maybe a two-seed if they could win the tournament, the Big Ten tournament, that is, and I think that the, the optimism, the excitement around this team was, uh, you know, it, it was through the roof, and for it to be shut down this year and, and Cassius Winston's senior year, 
I think it's really unfortunate considering everything that he's done for this program and the year that he went through, you know, losing his brother and just so much emotions went into the season and it felt like they were kind of getting towards the home stretch and if they could make a run and somehow come out with a national championship, that would be a hell of a story and now we don't really get to see how that finishes. It's unfortunate. Yeah, Izzo called it the most challenging coaching year of his career and, and, and you can see why by all those things you, you rattled off. Um but, but let's talk about Winston for a moment. I mean, let, uh, on a positive note here to think of him. Now, now, the NCAA is saying they may end up releasing a, a bracket not to be played, but so, you know, Rutgers can say they made the tournament and stuff like that, which I think would be a fun, good idea, lighthearted way to kind of put a bow on a tough situation. So, you know, maybe we do see MSU as a three seed and you can kind of adjust from there. But, but Cassius Winston... Uh, what's your favorite Cassius Winston moment? I, I've got a couple. Uh, the first, I, I, I tweeted about it when um, Senior Day was going on, and that is his the way he handled himself after uh, amid the fallout of the Larry Nasser scandal and the outside the lines story that uh, uh, painted uh, stories of alleged sexual assaults in the football and basketball programs. And that was at a time when Luana K. Simon, the president, had resigned. Mark Hollis, the athletic director, had resigned. D'Antonio and Izzo weren't really saying anything. And at, at the same – it was after the Maryland game at Maryland, and Izzo had a conversation with an ESPN reporter about why he couldn't wouldn't couldn't really say anything about the story. And – Cassius Winston talked to reporters, and he he had a he had a good quote um, that Brendan Quinn tweeted out at the time. And let me pull that up here real quick. I thought I had it. It was about um, kind of just handling yourself. He says, Winston says, "You don't put up walls. This is real life. This is a terrible situation. This is something we're going to use to tell our daughters one day, or our sons especially. You can't ignore it. You've got to listen to it. We have to listen. We have to discuss. That's when you get answers." And he kind of became the face of MSU for a little bit in terms of a, a positive light. He was the only public figure related to MSU athletics or MSU who was really saying and doing the right things. And he showed up at a community town hall that one of the trustees put on about Nasser victims. And just a, a guy that was a couple of years ago, really wisdom beyond his years and really showed the support that I think a lot of people wanted to see from MSU, especially MSU athletics that they weren't getting at the time, but there was Cassius Winston always being a leader, always listening to, to other people and taking that into account. And um, to me, that's his MSU legacy that, that at, at one of MSU's darkest times, he was one of the few people handling things the right way. And, on the court, I think his performance against Michigan this year was maybe his best game ever. Uh, 32 points, nine assists. They beat, I think it was a top 15 Michigan team at the time at Breslin Center. Um, and then, you know, the, the way everything he went through with his brother this year. I thought Chris Solari wrote a really good column about Cassius Winston before senior day. Um, uh, so a lot of things when I think about Cassius Winston, but those things stand out to me. How about you? Yeah, I mean... I think it's got to be, you know, the game after his brother passed away. Um, you know, Cassius Winston played in that game, and you know, he's—I don't know how he did it. 
He's, he's stronger than a lot of people. And, you know, he had tears on the bench. You know, he was hugging his little brother, trying to comfort him, trying to be there for his basketball team and trying to juggle a lot of responsibilities as, as a captain, the best player on, a, on a, a championship caliber team. And so for that moment, for him to go out there and play and, you know, you could tell he wasn't fully there, but it, it seemed like that was sort of an escape for him. Um, and the fact that he was able to play and, and continue his level of play, you know, that was so impressive and incredibly inspiring and just something that you really never see. And, you know, I think either a few day, a few games later, something like that, he spoke to the Breslin crowd and um, that was kind of the first time he spoke publicly and told the fan base that they're kind of helping him get get through this and that they'll always have a piece of his heart. And I think you could tell the love from the crowd was genuine. The love that he has for Michigan State is genuine. Um, I haven't covered MSU for that long, but I think it could be a while until there's another athlete universally appreciated the way that Cassius Winston is at Michigan State. And it really, it just it really sucks that things end right as he was heating up. Like he even said that he he'd finally gotten through some things and had was working on getting into better shape and was like you know, all guns blazed and everything. Like this MSU team was playing like MSU teams entering March, red hot to finish beating four ranked teams, uh, the comebacks against Penn State. Uh, winning at Maryland, at Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa. Uh, it, it just it sucks. It sucks you don't get to see him do one last tournament run. Makes you grateful that he got to experience making a Final Four last year. Because um, uh, certainly a unique and special player in person that um, everybody enjoyed watching play. Hopefully, hopefully he has a pro career, has a long uh, successful pro career because he was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, one other thing that happened this week that kind of quickly got brushed to the back because of everything else that has happened this week, but uh, Curtis Blackwell filed another lawsuit against Mark D'Antonio and MSU officials um, in a state court, apparently because the federal court said he couldn't amend his claims. Uh, but, but among the things Blackwell is suing over, saying D'Antonio required him to do things that violated NCAA rules, some of the things that have been out there already, like visiting homes or improper benefits for family members' contacts. But he says that MSU secretly taped practices of an opposing team that is out of state. Um, that's new. Don't know why it wasn't in there the first time, if that was the case. Uh, Colton, you got a copy of this lawsuit. I don't know if you've read the whole thing. It's very, very long. Uh, but uh, what was your initial reaction to seeing it? I mean, I probably had the same takeaways as anyone else that kind of briefly skipped over this, but I, th- I think obviously the stuff about taping practices is significant allegation, and, you know, there's some other stuff about, you know, D'Antonio having Blackwell visit recruits' homes and solicit improper benefits for family members of recruits and things like that, and then there's the whole racial discrimination aspect of this, which is a whole another thing. Um, so I guess my, my main question, I guess the first question that comes to mind is why I bring all this up now, because it just kind of feels like we're getting further and further away from the initial lawsuit every time a new detail comes out. But, I don't, you know, it's a lot of back and forth right now, and I think it's hard to know what to make what to make of it unless there's something more concrete here. And obviously, like the photo of D'Antonio with the assistance with Blackwell, that's something. So maybe we'll have to wait and see how the rest of this plays out. But in the meantime, it's certainly newsworthy and we'll have to keep following and monitoring things. Yeah, you know, it it again brings up, you're not sure why MSU hasn't settled lawsuits at this point. Uh, Whether or not you think he can win the case, he's 
he's already backed up one claim. I mean, he's the photo of Blackwell and the coaches in a recruit's home, like that was clear, pretty clear NCAA violation. Not a major one by any means, but uh, he, in some senses, has proven himself to be credible. Whether or not that's relevant to the specifics of the lawsuit, I don't know. But he's going to keep continuing to put this dirty laundry out there, and they're clearly pushing heavy on the NCAA sanction stuff. So um, this doesn't appear it's going to slow. It doesn't appear it's going to stop anytime soon. That that's for sure. Um, the whole, I mean, the whole thing about it being a spy gate, I, I don't know. I don't know what proof there is and whatnot. Maybe things come out. We'll see what the NCAA, if anything happens down the road. I mean, Bill Beekman has already said his allegations are patently false, but again, he backed up one thing with the photo. So I don't know. And I'll, I'll, I'll say again, what I said on a, uh, it might've been our last podcast. Uh, Mel Tucker's contract is 85% guaranteed. And he gets like, what, five and a half million a year. And in that contract, it says if if MSU is put on NCAA sanctions, his contract is automatically extended the length of a year or a length of whatever the sanctions are. So that's notable. If things don't go well and you want to fire him, that means the buyout gets even bigger. If he's winning, doesn't matter. You want to keep him anyway. But uh, just something to keep in mind that, if, if NCAA penalties do come down, not only would it affect uh, – if they get hit with any penalties, it would affect what they're trying to do now. It also affects Mel Tucker's contract. Just something to keep in mind down the road. So, uh, this yeah, this isn't going away. MSU on the field has turned the page from D'Antonio, picked things up in recruiting. There's a lot of excitement going on, but this is going to hang around in the background for uh, a while. Um, so, before we wrap up here, Colton – a couple weeks ago, you, you mentioned in the group chat something about uh, Chance the Rapper and a skating rink that your your family is a part of. So I will just, as we finish this out on, on a uplifting, more lighthearted note, uh, tell your Chance the Rapper story that happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you know, I guess now that the sports world is kind of shut down, this is a good chance to kind of story tell a little yes. bit here. Um so yeah, my parents, they own a roller rink on the south side of Chicago. Uh, they both grew up skating. They're both from Chicago. And when they were younger, it was kind of a pretty big scene in Chicago. A lot of you know crowds showing up at these roller rinks. It's um, called The Rink, right? Kind of like a, it's called The Rink, yeah. So yeah, a couple of years ago, they started skating again at this place. And yeah, it's called The Rink. It's off 87th Street in Chicago. Um, they kind of made that their go-to spot. They got back into it, one, because of their love for it as, as children, but also because kind of exercise as they're getting older, just want to stay active. Um, so yeah, they started skating at this place. Um, they kind of made that their like that was like their club basically. <laughs> um, so the previous owner was kind of getting up there in age, and he was looking to sell the place. Um, and my dad kind of talked to some of his business partners and my mom, and uh, you know the the guy agreed to sell it to them. Uh, it kind of happened pretty quickly. Like I'm out in Michigan hearing like developments of this, I'm just like really. But you know they they're passionate about skating. They're it's a it's a great thing for the community out there. It kind of keeps people out of trouble. Some of the younger kids. So uh, yeah, they stepped in and agreed to buy it and run it because um, they felt it was important to keep in the community. So they've been running it since about August or September. Um, they're trying to fix up the floors and add TVs and remodel things like that. Um, so that's kind of like what they've been up to the last couple months. But it's business has been doing well. And you know a couple weeks ago. Um, my mom gets a call from a woman asking if the rink was open because she wanted to surprise her husband. 
And she called an hour where it was closed, but they also host like private skating events and sessions and parties and things like that. So they could make it happen if someone wanted to come in. And it turns out the woman was Chance the Rapper's wife, Kirsten <laughs> Bennett, and she booked a private skating session with Chance to surprise him. <laughs> and uh, it was it was it was insane. Um, you know, Chance grew up close to the rink and used to go there when he was younger. He has a song called Juke Jam. I don't know if our, our listeners are familiar with his music, but the first line of it is literally, we used to roll the rink. Again, I, this place is called the, the Rink. Ri- we know it. It's got to be. It's got to <laughs> be the rink. <laughs> yeah. So I heard that song so many times, but like I didn't, I never put two and two together. And, you know, while he was there, like Chance had a great time apparently. Like he posted pictures on his Instagram things. At the end of it, he told my mom that that song was about their place. And then my mom told me like so casually. And I'm just like, <laughs> are you serious? What? <laughs> Um, so yeah, they posted on Instagram, like his wife posted and said they had a great time. And I, I'm still shocked that that happened. I couldn't believe my mom when she told me, I just wanted to drive from Michigan to Chicago that night, but I could not. Um, so I was jealous, but yeah, that's my chance to rap or Yeah. And, and, um, your family got a picture with them, right? They did. My mom and dad got a picture with Chance and his wife. And <laughs> again, I still can't believe that because they, I don't know how familiar they are with Chance. They know Chance <laughs> and the things that he does for Chicago, but yeah. like I don't think they listen to his music like I did. So like my mom's just like, oh, yeah, you know Chance the Rapper, right? He's coming in a little later. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool, nice. And you're stuck in East Lansing. But, uh, also, he posted Lansing, it on Instagram, right? Yeah, on his Instagram and his wife posted yeah, it too. Yeah, it's a nice art, artsy, cool-looking photo of them at the rink. So. My mom said, because uh, they have like skating sessions for like kids and teens and a uh, she said, like, it's kind of, like, doubled since Chance came oh, in because they're all trying to see if he comes back. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's been, it was pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, so ne- next we're going to get him on the pod at some point, right? Yeah, I think he'd be okay with that. Talk some Michigan yeah, State I football. Yeah, I think he's, he's probably real into Michigan State football. So, so that's going to do it here. Uh, obviously, with sports kind of on pause over the next month, I'm not really sure how things will play out, but we'll still have stuff up on The Athletic. Uh, all of our coronavirus stories are – uh, free, unlocked for all readers. So if you don't have a subscription, you can still read those. Uh, but if, if you do want a subscription to, to read the other stuff, theathletic.com slash green and white noise will get you 40% off. Um, we'll still be doing some other stuff. We'll, we might have some fun with this podcast uh, maybe in, in a few weeks, maybe some mailbags, sports movie talk, stuff like that. Because uh, we all kind of got to figure out what we're going to do over the next month. So stay tuned on that. And that'll do it here. Please rate, review, subscribe, tweet at us. Uh, we always appreciate that feedback. Support is much appreciated as well. Um, so for Colton Pouncey, I am Chris Vanini. Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman, who told us before we started recording that he had not seen a single Marvel movie. I'm not sure how. Yikes. Yikes, man. Come on. He's getting to it now that we've got nothing else to do. Um, so that's Mike. Shout out to the road dog, Jesse James. And we will see you on the other side.